Hot and cold, I looked everywhere for what I need. But now I know, now I know, I'm going back. Hello, welcome to SOS. I'm your host, Jennifer Elizabeth Masters. Thank you for joining me tonight. I am so glad you're here. Tonight, I have a very special guest joining me, Lindsay Levinson. Um, Lindsay and I were together about seven years ago doing shows here on BBS and Voice America, and I am absolutely delighted to be introducing Lindsay tonight. She is one hell of a dynamic woman. She is the founder of and CEO of Quality for Life Coaching. She practices complex and comprehensive life coaching. She has certified ex, ex, expertise as a relationship coach and as a sexuality educator, career coach, integrative health coach, as well as working with C-Suite execs on business strategy. Lindsay became dedicated to LGBTQ poly back in 2006 in getting her master's degree in counseling psychology at John F. Kennedy. The thesis subject matter she selected was sexual orientation. And the title of Lindsay's thesis in 2006 was Awakening to Sexual Orientation, the True Story of one transcend, transgender's journey, Lindsay explored LGBTQ poly in depth, and she's well known in her field. And Lindsay lived her first career as a high-level corporate exec in the high-tech world in Silicon Valley, and uh, she was known there for her strategic brilliance. And we get a chance to hear more about her brilliance tonight. Strategic insight is one of Lindsay's unique gifts. Some people say she is prophetic. I will agree with that. Lindsay makes one thing clear. Strategy is not a business thing. It is a life thing. Lindsay studies the complete life of the human she meets, even though the human that walks in the door with a specific issue or problem. She uses strategy and leverage mixed with psychology. And Lindsay had so much to say on this that she actually founded and authored a, a one of psychology's newest theoretical orientations called psychological architecture, and that is trademarked. The fact that Lindsay is developing visionary and real-time theories in psychology is just one of the many distinctive qualities that caused Lindsay to be awarded the diplomat in her field, and that landed her a front-page and nine-page spread in Women of Distinction magazine, and why, why she has been going strong for four years, selected as the top 20 mental health practitioners in the San Francisco Bay Area. Wow. So you can check her out on www.top20, and that's the number 20, top20listings.com forward slash psychology forward slash San hyphen Francisco. And you can learn more about her psych architectures there. 
Now, she has so many honors and certifications. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, we'll be asking her more about this. She also (laughs) had the opportunity and was asked to be uh, the ambassador of psych technology or exclusive 24-hour fitness coach in Silicon Valley and even embedded into psychology coaching apps that have been showcased in Apple showrooms. Lindsay is actually on the app teaching, and she's developed this specific relationship, relational coaching technique that's being offered on this Apple app. Lindsay got her master's in transpersonal psychology from John F. Kennedy in Walden's PhD program. Her specialization was organizational psychology. I'm telling you, she's dynamic. She is a certified relation specialist through the American Psychological Association, was awarded their highest honor as a diplomat, DAPA status by the APA also, in Strauss Institution at Pepperdine Law, Lindsay earned the certification in mediation. Lindsay is licensed as a franchise broker, a certified business consultant, legal advocate, and dedicated sexuality educator, advocating an enlightening growth and equality for the LGBTQ poly community. And one of Lindsay's shows is right here on BBS, Straight Up Sex Talk. Lindsay is globally syndicated and can be found on multiple stations, and all of those can be found through the URL links by looking up that top20listings.com site. And you can also hear her on Voice America Variety, Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Holy cow. This woman is amazing. Now, beyond that, you can also hear her. She's featured monthly on AM 970, Conversations with Joan, broadcast with Joan Herman. And now, like I said, I've known Lindsay for seven years. We have a magical chemistry, which can be heard on the radio shows. And when I was Lindsay's guest on Straight Up Sex Talk, we we spoke about quite a few things. Orgasm for Life was was the book that had just come out at the time. And we took that subject matter to town. And with Lindsay, it has been effortlessly. So thank you for joining me tonight. And welcome, Lindsay Levinson. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I want to just either play that over and over or have somebody etch that in stone. Thank you well, so much for I that introduction. I think you water, Lindsay. You what? I said, I think you walk on water. Well, I think anyone who heard that might, or they think that, yeah, somebody has uh, got us both scammed. But thank you for saying all that. Uh, you, know, you know how I feel about you. Well, you you have done some amazing things. And one of the things I, I'd like to look at a little bit, and if you could speak a little bit about how did you get from corporate into coaching? How did you make that transition? What was it that caused you to change? Yeah, corporate was awesome. I loved being in the high-tech world, certainly Silicon Valley. Um, But tragedy struck, and and it actually struck multiple times in a way that was, um, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I'm a lot more (laughs) spiritual now, but um, (laughs) there were three times big things. And so all of them had 
a common denominator that was the darkness, the light, life, death, um, pain and suffering versus healing and wellness, you know. So I was in reaction to three things over a period of approximately 18 months. And and then I just kind of had the humor with the folks, uh, the big guy upstairs, and said, oh, okay, so this is what I'm supposed to be doing, things about death and life and and, and healing versus suffering. And so I can either do reaction versus a proactive life. So I changed my career to do this proactively to help other people find the light switch, to help other people not suffer, that I would make my life about that because it appeared that's what it was about. Well, the fact that you listened and you paid attention and you made that shift instead of waiting for something else like the sky to fall, because that's typically what happens if we don't pay attention when the signs appear, the next sign becomes even worse, right? So right. I'm glad I'm glad you made the shift. And I left corporate America, too. Uh, I understand why you would want to do so. Now, now you became a therapist, but you're doing coaching. And um, as someone who has done both, um, what is it that you like about coaching versus therapy? Yeah, that's a great question and something I'm passionate about, which is I, because, again, anywhere that you become a therapist, it's not easy. California is specifically not easy. And um, so I did do all the things to do that and to open up private practice, build that clientele. But in doing that, I my attention went right to the things that did not fit me. And why did it do that is because it was not, I was not able to help people heal with particular rules. So an example is I, I don't ever think a session that goes 50 minutes, 5-0, I don't ever think that's healthy. That's, that's a true belief. I think that's actually harmful. So that's something that I realized. So even when I was an intern, I, I changed it to two hours, which had a lot of controversy in the, in the place I was doing my intern hours. But, um, but uh, you know, you're not supposed to disclose anything as a therapist. But I think that that's actually very healing to help your client understand if you might have gone through something or taken a medication or done something like that, you know, to use it at your discretion. Um, you know, a, a client says, well, do you have any advice? As a therapist, you're supposed to say, you have the answers. You know, they're not, I don't have any. You know, so that's not true. I have a lot to say. <laughs> And I hope that the client will be stimulated by the two brains in the room. Um, so, yeah, I just, I realized more and more and more that the way that the governed board would like to govern me was not the way I wanted to practice. And so I shifted to actually remove that therapy title and get credentials in the areas I wanted to specialize and ultimately have a comprehensive coaching practice. I, I really like the way that right off the be from the beginning that you stood up for what you believed in. And maybe this is why I love you so much is because I'm a rule breaker too. Um, but I, I love the way that you adopted this two hour strategy session. So, so uh, maybe you don't call it a strategy session, but 
What did you see in that going to two hours versus the 50 minutes? Not to mention you just get warmed up and the session's over. So what is it about the two-hour session that your clients like? Yeah, I mean, the first the first answer I have, because I was an intern and I was at an agency and it was a private practice model. So we were, you know, we did have our own clientele, but I was there with, you know, maybe 10 other people and then a couple of folks that were our supervising, um, that, you know, we met with once a week and we had consult in a group once a week. But I'm bringing this up because it was what didn't I like about the 50 minutes. And it's what you said. Yes, it's wounding for someone to bring up their stuff and they, they're trying to get warm or maybe they bring it up right away. There is not enough time for not only them to say everything, it's wounding to have somebody say in the middle of them crying, I'm so sorry, um, I'm going to have to cut you off, I, you're going to have to go now. So that's a very mean thing to say. And I changed the 50 minutes to 60, which means I gave up my 10 minutes in between my clients while I was an intern. And, and so then that got controversy. But that, I could never do 50, like never. But 60 was not good either, you know. So I'm just trying to say I was hurting people with this. They were leaving crying. I felt bad. It just wasn't working. So um, two hours is the minimum to this day. If somebody begs me to give me money to do one-hour sessions, I will not do it ever just because I can't deliver a quality service. Um, but two hours, yeah, I can set an expectation um, somebody can talk for a whole hour. I don't need to make a peep if they don't want, if they don't want to say much and I need to talk the whole time. You know, there can be something heard and something said. I can be sure they leave safely, and I am needing to be sure they leave safely. I don't want anyone leaving wounded and carrying that for the week. That, that would be ridiculous and not professional. So that's how I designed it. Well, I think that's a, a beautiful thing, and that you're very caring about your clients and it shows. Uh, Thank you. Can you speak a little bit about the award that you got in 2015 from the Women of Distinction magazine? Yeah. Um, you know, the biggest thing, they, they did a lot of research on me. It was really interesting. And, um, and so I think the front cover had something about the fact that I did had upside down thinking, which is something I say about myself. I, I mean, I have words that I say, you know, I upside down thinking, I call myself a weirdo and people try to make me feel better. Oh my gosh, you know, you're not a weirdo. And I say, Oh no, I am. Don't, don't ever take that away. I love that word. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was recognized for, um, the innovation of, of just many things. I, um, you know, I just, Again, it's sort of the rule-breaking. I have clients where um, I celebrate whatever these goals are. I had a client that was homeless, and they saw me and saw me and saw me, and we had a goal not only that they would get a home, but they would actually buy a home, and they did. And And that client wanted to cook me a meal, like break bread in their home in San Francisco, and and I went. And that's no big deal. I mean, I've, I've done so many things like that. I'm just trying to say it's always in my mind that a therapist would never, never be allowed to drive to someone's house and have dinner. But, but it, it made, you know what I mean? That person got that home, but it only like the celebration moment was the person who journeyed them and, and witnessed it would break bread 
in their celebration. And so I did that, you know, and, and so things like that were what women of distinction, you know, they were interested there. I had a client who was going to jail and he knew he was going for eight months. And, and I worked with him, you know, right before, but I mean, we, we had strategies. I was helping him understand, I want you to stay alive. It would be easy for you to sabotage yourself. So don't do that. <laughs> we want you to stay alive. I want you to plan on what you're coming out of jail for so you can handle being in jail. And, and so those are just interesting. And, I, and he said, right, will, will you come and see me? You know, here's a guy, I think he's 26. And, but I said, yeah, do you want me to? He's like, I, definitely, I think I need it. And I said, well, you don't need it, but I would love to. So thanks, you know. And, um, and it was so funny. I went to visit him. And we were all in line, and his we only could have one visitor per week. You know, so his mom was there, but she wasn't going to visit him because I was the one who was. And his mom, I adore his mother, but she always wore clothes kind of like a gymboree. Like, I mean, it's a grown-up, but she was sort of like would wear. I was in like a really nice blouse. It was sleeveless. It wasn't sexy. You know, it was just a sleeveless kind of silk blouse. And women in line were in T-shirts. I mean, I'm just really saying parts were hanging out and stuff. And, and, and so I don't really care about any of that. It's just I, ma- I mention it because the guard, when it came my turn, like all these women who had all their parts, you know what I mean, like tight T-shirts and things, nobody got called on anything. And then I walk up. I'm a, I'm a small build. I have a little silk, you know. It, again, it wasn't even a tank. I mean, it was a sleeveless shirt. And he said, that you can't go in. That's, you're not covering enough your arms, you know. And I just looked at his mom and you know, I knew that I knew Jake would be waiting for me, you know? And so we took 60 seconds and him, uh, his mom and I ran to the bathroom and traded shirts <laughs> and his mom, again, I mean, it was like a jamboree with little lace and a little collar, like a baby, you know, with a, like a little bib on <laughs> and she would be the last person to even wear silk, let alone sleeveless, but we traded shirts and, um, I went and saw Jake, and one of the first things he said was, is, is that my mom's shirt? Are, are you wearing my mom's shirt? <laughs> he recognized it. <laughs> so he's just got to laugh. But, yeah, so these would not be things a therapist would do, and they are um, an honor. You know, I feel privileged and honored that I got to do, and I get to do these crazy things. Well, I'm sure your your clients appreciate it, and, and it makes you – real and approachable. Uh, speaking of approachable, I, I know that you are a mom. And uh, how old are your children now? Oh, gosh, you're gonna make me do the age thing. My kids are 27 and 31. And I, hope I, got that right. <laughs> I hope I got that right. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> what did you do ask you me? coach them? Do you coach your kids? Oh, um, so I'm me like 24 seven. And, um, so I would say the way I'd word that is my kids do receive my coaching. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm just, I, I feel like I have wisdom and enlightenment as do we all, we all do have that. And, um, I just, my kids will know that I've always had a word since they're little. Like I, 
they'll sometimes call it my instincts. And they'll come to me, and they need it. Like when they were little, Mom, I need, you know, so sometimes they want to tap into this thing, and we have things we would do a chant or, you know, so I mean, but we all know that I've called it the knowing. So like the knowing. So like right. in my gut, in my belly, I've called it this all their life. I have the knowing. And so it's not something I'm trying to say or brag or shout out, I bought it, I have the know, you know, it's just in me. So I don't really put a lot of question marks. I have tons of questions. I'm like the most curious human on the planet. I want to ask everything about everything. But what I feel and say, quite often, I just have confidence that's a little on the rare side. Like it's a knowing that goes into the future. I ha- that's why you said in the beginning, like prophetic, yeah, I've got some stuff, some things that tell me things about things. So, yeah, my, my kids don't, um, you know, they're not against listening. They're, they love to hear things. They respect any kind of enlightenment that I might want to share, there, which I love. It helps all of us uh, really tap into each other. So it's awesome. And they're more grounded as a result, right? Because of who you are. And who are you, Lindsay? Well, I would say I, I'm more grounded because of them. I know that's for sure. And they are very, both of them are so grounded. Um, and they're both, I mean, they're my kids, but seriously, just put them in a lineup. <laughs> they're like two of the most grounded and just really well-rounded, good humans. Um, so I definitely, you know, they're my inspiration for sure. Um, the, the most recent years and through the years. Um, who am I? Huh, can we... <laughs> Can we put a category? Who am I? Would you tell me what you want to well, know? Well, I mean, if you were you were to say you you are you, no matter where you are, who you're with, right? I I say uh-huh. the same thing. Um, describe yeah. who you are. Who are you? What, okay. what kind of a person fair are question? You? I know I like you're it. creative, right? You're very creative. Yeah, in a in a. Um, in a quiet sort of way. I'm, I mean, I'm a loud human. Like, I have conviction that's loud in the world. Um, I'm not creative in a way that people can see a lot. Like, I, I don't think I'm good at things that you would be good at if you said you were a creative person. People would want to see what you've done, and I don't have those things to show. I, um, but, but my mind is always you know, 24-7, 24-7, it's got, you know, many tracks, they're all working, they, you know, so, yeah, I can't, I don't have as much to show for myself as I would like in the creative thinking that's actually happening in my head, but, um, but anybody can ask me anything about anything, and I, I'm not just, you know, I'm not just making stuff up, I, I really, you know, I, I'm strategic, I can solve things, and I can sometimes pull stuff out of my ass, and <laughs> it's usually pretty helpful, but, um, but I am authentic. I've done that in trivia games. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm known for pulling answers out of my ass. So okay, I want to shift I, I would, a little bit. Your parents used to okay. call you Freud. Why? Why did they? We have talked about that. Oh, yeah, no, um, that's true. So maybe that is what you're saying because I am. I'm analytical. Um, I've all, So, yes, I have always been analytical. And, yes. That's a tr- perfect example. When I was little, like my parents, I would ask to go to a birthday party. These are like a, re- this is a real example. And my parents, you know, would say no. And then you can't go. Why not? Because I said so. And, and I would say, well, no, no, that, that 
at eight years old, I said, no, you know, can we do, can we go over some pros and cons? I don't, you said so doesn't answer that for me. What would be the reasons I wouldn't go? What would be the, so my, I would literally make my parents, uh, you know, they didn't know what to do. My parents are really smart, but, but simple, not complex in that way. And so they would say, oh, enough already. Just go to the party, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> that's, so later in my life now, when I'm, if I was, with somebody or in a relationship or a date or, you know, if I did something and somebody said, oh, you're doing that because you're a coach. I, you know, I know why you're doing that. You know, you're a therapist or you're a coach. I'd say no, like I finally became a coach because I've been doing this all my life. I I finally get paid to just be in my skin. Like that's all I do and I do it all day long and I never really can stop. So yeah, my parents experienced it. My kids experienced it. My clients, I'm just me. And, you know, yeah, so lucky to be able you get to do paid, that for a living. You get paid to be you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Me too. Maybe that's, that's the, the mutual admiration society here, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> what I, I wanted to do is shift a little bit and, and talk about what's going on in the world. Um, I, I just heard from my son who's, uh, girlfriend just tested positive with COVID, and so a coworker um, went to work knowing that that people in her household had fevers, and so she put her coworkers at risk. And now my son's girlfriend has has been tested positive for COVID, and so you know, te- so testing and COVID and dating and it, it's a kind of a messy world out there, and. I think people would like some guidance, and I know you've got real clear um, ideas and strategies for dealing with COVID. And and I think that, you know, maybe that you could help some people out by talking about what some strategies could be for dating during COVID. Wow. Um, that I do have a lot of clear <laughs> ideas and strategies and that's a stumper um the dating one but i i am a believer in um in a you know clear communication as one beginning with yourself like deciding for yourself what you want to do and then of course it depends if you're living with family members or if you're if you really are starting to see someone if you're telling that person hey you know, we're going to see each other, but then who's in your house and who's in my house? I mean, so it's such an awkward subject. People are so awkward about it, and it almost feels like asking about an STD or something. You know, it's like, is anyone at your house? Was anyone come in today? Well, did your roommate run any errands? Yeah, it it feels like we're asking dirty questions, and it feels like we're kind of making people feel dirty because we have to keep asking them, and, and we might catch them on an error. Like, they might say, I didn't do anything. I just went, I took the dog for a walk. I stopped at 7-Eleven, picked up a couple items. Um, I, I got. I picked up the mail. You know, we hear, wait, you went a couple of places. That actually is a couple of places you went. And the person's like, so I didn't do anything that put me at risk. You know, and you hear, and so you don't know whether to just listen and take it in. You don't know whether to correct that person and say, well, if you went in 7-Eleven, then that means you went somewhere. Were you wearing your mask? Like, you know, you don't know how far to go, but, but there are, 
You know what I mean? There are questions in your head, and, and then they feel like you're in terror. So it's just an unfortunate situation that judgment is built into this whole thing. It it doesn't. It's not necessarily anything anyone's trying to do. It just feels that way, and it sounds that way when you could ask those questions or you have to ask them. Um, so I think dating is very difficult. Um, and, and do you do it on text? Do you do it on Zoom? Do you plan to see someone in person? And how do you choose when? You know, what do you what do you think? I mean, you're all about relationships. You're all about coaching. You have your own experiences. What do you think? Well, I I know how my family feels about it. You know, I got a text from my son. Are you staying safe? Are you staying at home? Because <laughs> you know they they want they want me to stay alive and. And so um, what I will I'll say about that is that we have to be smart. And, and there are lots of people because I, I have plenty of people that I communicate with all across the country and the world, actually. And there are people that they haven't had a date since this whole thing began. And um, those that do date when they you know maybe there's roommates and and there are situations like that my daughter lives in a in a house with you know there's there's is it three four 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 or five people in the household and everybody's going to work in different places so when when that's happening then then dating somebody that could be in a household like that could be risky for sure. I mean, how do you even analyze that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I watched um, Rachel Maddow. I don't own a television anymore, but I did um, do a little bit of research before this show. And Rachel Maddow's a partner got COVID. And she was basically pleading to anyone who would hear her you know, you might not get it, but the one that you love could. So if you travel now, like people are canceling traveling plans for the holidays, because when you travel somewhere else, if you're on an airplane, you don't know who you're going to be sitting next to or who's going to be in the cabin with you. I mean, this is another subject. So, so there's, you know, this is the thing. If you have if there's a, someone that you're dating and they're traveling, you could be at risk. And and the risk could be great. Not just, oh, it's a cold. I mean, some people are, are really seriously ill. And, and you're lucky if you've had COVID and it's been slight symptoms. But, it, you know, it's not always that way for people. So I, I would say, you know, we, we have to weigh the risks and who are we going to be seeing after we date somebody? Are we going to put our parents at risk or grandparents at risk or children? You know, if you're a single mom, you know, I was speaking to someone last night. And she's dating. She's got four children. So when she dates, she comes home and, you know, she could pick something up and her kids could get it. So so we have to really weigh how how badly do we want to date or can we wait, put it aside and stay safe. Yeah. And you're right. It is kind of like a 
and it's kind of like an STD. Yeah, the stigma, right? I mean, because it's like if we put these in a category, they would never be together, like COVID and an STD, which nobody should even care about an STD now. Like, I mean, these things, I'm just saying it's nothing of anyone's fault. Nobody's trying to get anyone sick, but the stigma, you know, but it's just the same thing, asking, trying to clear people, clear their name, and they're trying to see if you're trying to clear someone, does it mean you're better than them because you're clearing them? Like, and so then, and then they ask you, well, why, what did you do? You know, it just doesn't feel good. It's not human instinct to do this. And, and that's why I'm saying, so the whole point that I stand against, I do stand for this communication. I believe in it wholeheartedly that you have to, I stand against stigma. I, I stand against, I mean, LGBTQ poly, like I, I'm a very large advocate for stop the stigma. Like nothing should be stigmatized unless a human's intention is to harm another, then we we need to stop just harming each other by thinking the things we think that stick everyone in a box. But but I am being an empath and saying this is a really hard thing. I might advocate for communication, but it doesn't make it feel good. It's not a good feeling to have to do it, even with your own family. You know, I, I was talking with my own kids about seeing my parents for Thanksgiving. And so there was stress in the talk with my kids because they were certain things they were saying that were following certain rules. I also wanted to follow the rules they were following. I was kind of advocating a little about my parents who are mid to late eighties and saying, I want to keep them safe, but I also don't want them not to see family for months and months and months. Like I want them to have quality of life at, if they want it, I want them to get a vote for sure and we would you know but we'll still wear masks and we'll still do this but you know but my kids again and I are very I feel like we're we're going to be on the best debate team around the world because we do these hard talks and we do them well and we face them you know we anyway so it was tension but we did it and we talked through it and we all agreed and we made a pact on what we would do and how to do it and then we did that just that Um, my daughter called my folks and gave them that vote of would you like this, would you like that? We're not saying total yeses or noes, but what would you like if you could have your way? And surprisingly, my mom opted out of all of it. She first opted for a little and then kind of panicked and called back and said, you know, I think, and, and my dad is having some sort of surgical thing at the end of December, so she's overly concerned, and I get that, but to keep him well. But you know what I mean? In the end, we had our tension, me and my kids, then my mom had her tension hearing that, that we might be kind you know, each level of tension, each generation, each choice, and it may change again. As of now, we were declined. It doesn't hurt our feelings at all, but we just have to take in everyone doing the best they can for each person without taking each person's right away to have a good quality of life while they're still on the planet. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm just going to go back to this this situation with my son's girlfriend. So here she is, a single mom with two kids. And this coworker went went and this is the thing that we have to guard against. If if someone has a fever in your home, you don't go out into the world where you could possibly infect who knows how many people you get in, you you come into contact with in the grocery store. Yeah. So if if people in your household have a fever, you have to stay quarantined, you know, because a, a fever is likely to be COVID. I mean, even just go out to get tested, 
you're putting people at risk. For sure. I mean, I don't, you and I aren't, you know, the, the, we aren't the final person with a gavel, but these, these have been rolled out many months ago. I just, you know, people are kind of doing their own choices on these now, but, but if there's a fine, you know what I mean? If, if a doctor ruled on this as through the months, yes, absolutely. If somebody, if you've been near someone who has a fever or you've been near someone who has COVID, you know, then yes, you're supposed to, even if you have no symptoms, not be around people for 14 days. I mean, that never really changed as what we were told. It just doesn't, it isn't necessarily the behavior. So I feel for the girlfriend. I'm sorry that happened. That sucks. Yeah, so that means that she can't see anybody for for the holidays, for Thanksgiving. So, so in lieu of <laughs> in lieu of meeting people face to face, and I mean, th- there is the if you want to date someone, let's just get back into the date thing because it, the, the the question here is, well, there's you know, there's couples that are that are married and and living together, and you know, of course, they're going to go about their lives and, you know, if they're leaving the home and coming back, then, you know, they've got their dynamic they're dealing with. So there's there's that. But single people that live alone, I, I yeah. really feel like it's hardest for them uh, because they're so isolated, you know, can't be out with friends. And and uh, I know the millennials were having the toughest time. That's what was happening in Florida on the beaches and and elsewhere, California, too. So, yeah, we have to we have to find ways maybe to entertain ourselves and be happier with our with ourselves. What do you think? I think that even even earlier in the year, when there wasn't, you know, we've all, of course, we've always hoped there'd be a vaccine. But even when there wasn't, I know that I would say to my kids, just as a general thing, um, whether it was, you know, whatever it was about making choices, just making choices regarding the safety rules um, that were not never going to be easy choices now with regard to masking and who you see and social and all that. Um, but I was always saying to them, you know, you guys are young and amazing, and I don't really care what this is, there will be some solution. I, you know, I wouldn't have ever dreamed uh, some vaccine would be out in the same year, but I was, even if it was a year or two, I was saying it, it is a nightmare. I'm not going to pretend it's, and it's not easy for me either. Like, but I was saying to them, but you have to look at it in the lifespan. You have to, you've got too much. People did go to war for four years or something for eight years like you know like so you got to invest you got it you just have to like because you've made your lives great again i feel my kids are a couple of folks who've done really well with the years they've had so like i'm saying you know you're ahead of your game you know so like kind of hang on hang on now like not no we don't need to be impatient right now this but now i'm on your show and i'm saying (laughs) the vaccine is made like so there's two companies it's out there's Three more about to follow. This is like not just Anthony Fauci. This is Bill Gates. This is really detailed data about exactly what's happening, which refrigerator, which temperature, where it's rolling out, who's going to get it. It doesn't matter if one person's transitioned out of office or not. It doesn't matter. Everyone's talking anyway. So I'm just here to tell people it's here. 
we will see changes by spring. Some changes, like the elderly, will have something better to think about by spring. By June, we all will see some change, at least one, if not many, but one change. Mark my words, there'll be a better thing happening for somebody, all of us, in June. And we are, I, Bill Gates and Fauci say we get our Thanksgiving to be anything we want in 21. If that's really being told to us by the people who are, have always told us the truth, those two, or there's other people too, but I'm just giving you the names I feel like people could relate to. And they actually gave enough data for me, who is a crazy scientific researcher mind and person who does <laughs> scientific research after I hear the thing. Um, now we're really down to the home stretch. Now, like if you're asking me about dating for these holidays or dating for the next three months, I'm just saying find a way to use intimate language. Find a way to express sexy things or deep things or exciting things things that create adrenaline rush for the person you're talking to. Talk about what you're excited to do. Talk about what you wish you could do. Talk about deep things that you wish for in life. But don't ruin that the vaccine is coming to you. And by 2021, you're going to have any winter and any fall you want. Who would ruin that? Just try not to, people. Try not to, because we've waited this long. We could all pull this off really well. So that's my message, if anybody cares. Not that anyone should, but if anyone does. <laughs> well, I, I think it's I think it's good advice. I would go one step further and say this is a time for us to go inward, to turn inward and do the work that maybe still needs to be done. You know, if it's um, clearing out past trauma or healing from old relationships that maybe you still feel resentful over. You know, there's lots of books that you could read. There's uh, great coaches like you and I out there, Lindsay, that people could go to and get assistance so that they can overcome these things. I mean, while we have the time, now's the time to do it. it. And I really feel like this December that. You know, the energy on the on the planet is speeding up and that, um, you know, we're all here for a reason. We're in this in this together. This is not something that one person is going through. We're all going through it. And and so how could we all as you know, as a uh, community or as, um, you know, humans raise the planet energy by doing our own personal work growing? dealing with yeah. the things that we haven't. Yeah, I think that I love that. I love that. And I think that even if we wanted to, these are just, so one of my greatest specialties and greatest passions, which are really one and the same, the reason you'd ever be good at something is you really are passionate about it, like inside your body and your bones and your veins and your bloodstream, which, so for me, the subliminal, the subliminal, the deep, the depth, of your brain, neuropsychology, neuropsychoimmunology, right? You're healthy only because of what's happening in your subliminal mind. And can you live a good life if you're bringing stuff to consciousness that's going to otherwise sabotage you? So my point is that one thing that I, even if we wanted to do work, even if we all been thinking that since March and April and May, like, well, we have the virus. As long as we know we're trapped, (laughs) 
long as we know we can't go out and there's no end in sight, even the deep work we're trying to do, it's not actually being too effective for folks. And I mean, I have empathy on this. I really have empathy because I actually do suffer from claustrophobia. So I associate that word that if you actually don't see the vaccine or and you think this might be go a year, but it could go on for a decade, right? It's hard to do any kind of self-work and get to work on other things because you're still watching to see if anyone has brought the key to the jail cell yet. Like, you don't think you're going to be let out, so you're focused on claustrophobia. And so I love what you just said, and I really wanted to just add, yes, <laughs> now's the time. There is a vaccine. There's two. There's three. There's four. There's, they're coming, everyone. Like, now, get, get ready. Go make yourself beautiful inside. Now you really do have a reason. Might as well do that. We really are all going to get out and go and be with each other and create new realities. Rise your potential. Like take a step up from wherever you've been or wherever you are or wherever you wished you could go. This is our chance. One more round of 30 or 60 days. Let's do that. So I really like that idea a lot. Well, we can also, (laughs) we can step up um, our physical form. You know, eat better, exercise more. Yeah. I'm I'm doing more exercise living in Colorado than I did in California, even with the colder weather. So um, I'm finding myself spending much more time exercising. And, you know, exercise can be a meditation. Um, I usually do mantras while I'm walking or doing my my exercises so you know this is this is a time i mean where it's global transformation that's happening this is not just covid and nothing else is happening covid and mass transformation is happening simultaneously absolutely absolutely i mean my kids well my kids my clients will tell you like i i from from March, I've termed this biblical times. I, ch- I named this biblical times, and every time something happens, and it's not it's COVID, but it's not. It's karma, and COVID, and creation, and population, and generation. Like so, these are all shifting and changing. And I say survival of the fittest is happening, but not like Darwin. Like it's not. Do you have muscles? Are you strong? Or you know, can you climb a tree? It's can you make the choices that allow you and neighbor to be okay? Can you sacrifice things you must, including maybe your own vanity? Like, can you put a mask on when you are beautiful? Can you put a mask on when you don't feel beautiful? Can you even go out? You know, can you stay in? Like, can you do the things that, you know what I mean? So who is the population that steps forward and who, and I'm not saying anyone who's not in the population was, supposed to be removed i'm not saying that at all i'm saying it's biblical times we really are the fires the crazy the you know it's like every category on the planet has something that has adrenaline brewing in it and then it's shifting and it's creating global change and so you know what i mean you can associate the 10 plagues like it's a biblical times time (laughs) so it's interesting to study and i agree with you there's transformation going on it's important to look at that all of us it's important that we all realize the power and energy we have if we moved into good energy what would that do to shift into good things to come out of this 
You mentioned karma and and COVID, and I I put the two words together, and it's coma. Ooh, <laughs> ew! Stop that. I'm gonna come up with something different. Um, Carmen, Carmen. Um, I'm gonna think of a different thing. Ew. I'm, well, anyway, I'm taking that out of the ethers. God forbid, poo poo. Take it out of the ethers. Boom, boom, boom. I knocked on my wood. Anyway, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> well, I was I was trying to put together something that sounded funny, but that was all I could come up with. Was that? I'm sure that before before we're done here, we can come up with something better. <laughs> Good for you. Nothing like testing out that wit, my friend. I just got a little twist of morbid, but also funny. But well, yeah, what is karma? Funny. What is karma? But cause and effect, right? It's cause and effect. Okay. Is that what it is? Well, it's. So if if you do something nice for someone, you're putting good energy into your karma bank and and good will come back to you. Oh, yesterday, yeah. I think I mentioned this to you. I was in a park yesterday with my daughter. We were walking around this lake and as I came through this gazebo, this is wild. This young man was listening to rap music that was extremely disrespectful. And I gave him a dirty look because it was disrespectful to women. And it, it was just, it was horrible language. <laughs> and he, he turns to me and he goes, who are you? I said, we're humans. And then he threatened, he said, ah, well, I have a gun. I'll shoot you. And, and so oh my God. I, I, I just think, you know, there's so many crazy things happening. People are being pushed and prodded and shoved and squeezed and, you know, not being able to do like kids aren't able to play on playgrounds. Kids are, you know, university students aren't able to go to school that most of them are on Zoom and, and not even on campus. I mean, there's so many things that are happening that are so unusual right now. There's going to be an impact. That's the, the cause and the effect, you know. We're all being pushed and prodded, so we can step up to the highest truth of our being. We can meditate. We can we can exercise. We can do mantras. There's a lot of things we can do to stay in a high vibration. What other suggestions do you have? I mean, to me, and I'm not I'm not denying what your definition of karma is at all. But when you're saying that to me, like so, anything with karma includes intention. And, and I do think it's the it's the mix of intention, energy, and ramification or circle back from the universe. And, the, and it doesn't mean then; it could be ten years from now. But but the only thing I think we're accountable for is is intention and action. Um, but intention first. I mean, I have clients that come to me and they feel terrible, and and they're you know. For a long time, they might come to me and they felt bad for five years about a DUI they got, or they come to me because they're something now. But no matter what's happening, I, I try to help get clarity. Did, did you do that on purpose? Did you hurt that person on purpose? And you know, some people do. 
So we got to work with that. But if, but if they didn't, then we immediately, I want to begin cleansing. You know, you do not want to sabotage your own brain thinking that you're a horrible person if it wasn't intentional. So, but I'm also saying proactively, what we can do is set intention, set good intention. If it's just for yourself, then set an intention. Maybe you will just do a prayer in a day. Maybe you will meditate. Maybe you'll just change the channel to watch a little bit of the news, even though you try not to watch it because it's so hard to watch. You know, maybe you'll go out and smile, but then you have a mask on. But I often pull down my mask for one second when somebody says something powerful, but I've been doing this since I pull down my mask for a second and smile and pull it up. Like just, I, I, it's an intentional move to let somebody know, I hear you, I got you. That's good. I like that. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. That's something I do. Um, but everyone has to choose a thing that they're doing or one or two or three in their own home, in their, in their neighborhood, in their community, in the world. You know, maybe you'll make one phone call. Maybe you'll answer one thing on the, online, you know. But what can you intentionally do that sets good energy? And energy does affect a vibration across the world, whether you, you know, believe in what Jen and I are saying. The world is working on a frequency, <laughs> and energy is, is what's making the whole thing tick. So if you just intend something good in your brain and take an action based on a good thing you're thinking, you don't even know how powerful that actually is. But if we all were doing that a little bit in a day, that's my recommendation. Does that make sense? I like that. I like that. So I'll just tell you what I do when I go to the grocery store I try to not do it very often but when I do I will approach the cashier and I will tell them hello how are you doing and how's your day and I'm smiling under my mask and uh, I usually make some sort of joke uh, about you know when my face is covered I feel much less intelligent and um, (laughs) I usually talk to the cashier while we are going through the process of checking out because they're human and they deserve our respect. How often have we gone through a checkout or a, a you know, bought gas at a 7-Eleven or someplace and, and barely looked at the person who served us? I, I think we all need to make eye contact and appreciate the people that are helping us, that are yeah. there, risk-taking. I mean, cashiers are, are taking a big risk every day and they're having to wear a mask eight hours to protect us. Yeah. That's huge. Huge. I agree. Anything we can do to really show respect to anyone who's doing anything that's making a conscious choice, even if they have to for the money, they're still out there so that we can have something be easier for us. So if we're not doing their job, so I agree. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Just to be, you know, bring something to life, a conversation, a human kindness, something that you're intentionally doing that is awesome. Compassion and, and uh, appreciation, I think, are are two things that we need to be really focused on right now. Um, when people get upset that um, somebody's not wearing their mask properly or um, things that are happening, I mean, there's still a lot of other things happening in the world. Um but finding compassion and appreciation for one another will go a long way. I agree. I agree. It's easy to say, and it's not that easy to do. 
And so I love right. that you're saying it. And I hope, I hope, you know, just saying it. If anyone is listening to this show, and I know you have a following, that's, that's great. And, and so those, it's great that you say those things because just hearing, oh, being compassionate, like what does that even mean? But yeah, just if you have a choice to be judgmental, or to say why, or how come, or that is not the right choice. Like, take a second and think, eh, you know, what, either what might be going on in their life, or just stop and look inward. Think, I don't really know. I'm not in their shoes. I think I could do this better for myself. Or I have anxiety because of that, so I think I probably need to work on this for me, so I don't have the anxiety about the fact their mask is hanging too low. I should, what, what do I have to work on in myself that causes me to have angst about how each person wears their mask, you know, like it's not wrong that you have angst, but you could work on yourself. It's the only place the power actually is is in you. Because the trigger is within you. You know, we're we're coming to the end of the hour and I, at the end of my show, I always do a little segment on it's all bullshit. And um, (laughs) I, I'd like to, I'd like to just ask you to join me in this, Lindsay. Um, okay. What, what about therapy or COVID or um, authenticity? What, what can you cite about any of these subjects that we've talked about? You can pick one. Where's the bullshit? What, what's the bullshit that you can see? Okay. You know what? So things always come up for me fast, and so here it is. Um, it's not necessarily anything maybe that you said, but it's just kind of like when you asked me why two hours, and I started with, well, why not 15 minutes? It was harmful. So you're asking, like, all these subjects, where's the bullshit? What I feel tonight is the amazingness of you and me. We did no prep for this show. We did not prepare. We never prepared, really, for other shows. So this is amazing how I feel when I talk with you, and I – I feel like a zillion people are listening, right? So I don't really care. I I believe you have a following, but I really don't care. I don't want to make it about that. I feel like we can affect change, and I feel that you and I really are authentic and effortless, and that's so cool. And, And I'm also, it's bullshit that we don't make ourselves more available, whether it's on a station for your station or my station, or we don't do a motivational talk or, you know, like why don't we do more of what's easy for us to help other people when I realize how easy this is and how much fun. And I think it does help. I think I don't, I'm not positive, but it's a good thing to do. There's other things I do in my life that probably aren't as good. So this is a good thing. (laughs) This, this is my vocation. I, I do a couple of things that I do just because without any expectation of any return. And um, I I think that when we're always focused on what am I going to get, that um, we're not coming from our heart. And and so in in my case, I I say um, I think it's better to give than to receive. But when we do give, we do get, you know, so it's uh, there's there's always bliss in there somewhere. But um, as far as bullshit, <laughs> I want to bring that back to the bullshit. Um, I, I think that uh, it's bullshit that it's taken us uh, how many years to get back together again, Lindsay? So, so I am so delighted that 
that you agreed to be on my show tonight. And thank you so much. You've given me so much over the years and had me on so many of your shows. So I think the biggest bullshit is that it's taken me this long to get you on my show. So thank you so much, Lindsay, for being here with us tonight. Um, How can people contact you? Can you say your website one more time, please? Sure. www. So the name is Quality for Life Coaching, but all together, qualityforlifecoaching.com. And on that website is um, my phone number. And so they can look there or top 20 with the number, top 20 listings.com slash psychology and slash fan hyphen Francisco. So they can look at the top 20 listings, but just Lindsay Levinson will get you all that. My name is L-I-N-Z as in zebra I. So if you just Google, you'll find all the good stuff. Thank you, Jen, so much for having me on. Thanks for being here. And thank you all for joining us tonight. If you've learned anything in the last nine months, it is that life is precious. You are precious. Our loved ones are so precious and important to us. Life is a gift and it flashes by way too fast. So don't take your life or loved ones for granted. I love you. I love you. Stay safe. Good night, everyone.